The Evolve to Succeed podcast, where founders, entrepreneurs, business leaders, and experts are interviewed to explore the link between personal and business success. We will also investigate and establish the need for ongoing personal development, accountability, and support. The objective is to inspire you, the audience, to be better in life and in business. Welcome to the Evolve to Succeed podcast. I launched the Evolve to Succeed podcast late last year, and what a journey it's been. This is our 15th episode, and since the beginning, we've heard some really amazing stories and received some incredible feedback, as well as receiving great engagement. Podcasts are more popular than ever and are fast becoming an invaluable tool to promote your brand and your business. To mark the success of this podcast and engage with our audience, we hosted a live podcast event at our event space in Paul, where we discussed the powerful marketing potential of this format. And this forms the basis of this podcast. Our guests, Andy James and Kelly Butler of Podcast Labs, who record and edit our podcast from the great studio in Westbourne, elaborate on the value of podcasts and give tips on creating great content and what it takes to make a good podcast from equipment and the recording environment to promotion, distribution and the value of professional editing. We also hear from Urban Guild's Mark Cribb and Curry Queen, Sarah Chowdhury, about the wonderful social and business benefits of podcasting and how recording them has become something they really look forward to as a break from the pressures of running their own businesses day to day. Whether you're already an avid listener of podcasts, new to the format, or considering launching your own podcast, I really hope you find this episode informative and inspiring. So let's get on with the show. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us this evening. So on behalf of Inspire and Evolve, welcome to this evening's event, our first of 2020 of our Evolve Live events. Uh, and I just thought I'd set a bit of context to um, why I'm stood here with a mic that's not projecting, why I'm stood here really passionate about podcasts. My, my story with regard to the podcast piece was early in 2019, I'd written the book Evolve to Succeed, had loved spending some time with our clients at Inspire. Just spending time, you know, it's one of the things that's great about what I do. I've been doing it for 15 years. It's just spending time, sat down, talking to our clients about their stories and their journeys. And out of that came this concept that actually that would make just a great podcast just to sit there, talk to business leaders, entrepreneurs, business owners about their story and their journey and what was happening in kind of their lives, both from a personal and business perspective. So I thought this is going to be easy. January, February... Uh, 2019, we'll launch a podcast. The podcast actually got launched on the 11th of December 2019. So did make it in 2019 by the skin of our teeth. And during that whole process, it was really exciting, really interesting, but the journey and the learning curve was really steep. And that kind of practicality of, you know, what equipment do you need? How do you market it? How do you actually get the guests and get consistency of guests? And all of those things were really, really kind of important to get right, but that was all the things that delayed. And then eventually it was, well, how do we edit this? And how do we actually launch it? And what platforms do we put it on? And all those kind of things. So 
then seeing what other people are doing and, and you know, that kind of context we've built tonight as, um, you know, our kind of podcast, The Future of Marketing, and it just became topical. And, th and that thought process was actually, if I've been on that journey, there's others there, and I know there's people in the room that have launched their own podcast. It'd be interesting to get people together that are both planning or would love to um, launch a po podcast, those that perhaps have, uh, those that perhaps from a marketing background just want to know a bit more about what po podcasts are about and how, the, how they could help you, and just gather that kind of people together, share some of the experiences, share some of that knowledge, and see where it takes us. So this evening is really simple. We are preaching what we talk. That's why the mics are around. This will f feature and will become uh, one of the Evolve to Succeed uh, podcasts in due course. Um, we're really simple format, what we've got tonight. We've got two, well, we've got three speakers, but in two presentations. Um, we've got Andy and Kelly from Podcast Labs, um, and I'll introduce them in a moment. We're going to talk about more of the marketing, the technical sides, what it really takes to get a podcast underway, and some of the stats behind podcasts, which are flabbergasting, actually. So, and then we've got Mark Cribb, who uh, most of us in the room will know uh, of Urban Guild, but has, you know, a year in to your story you know, with podcast, I think episode 61 of the Humans of Hospitality podcast. And naturally, you know, I'm, I think we're on episode 10 or 11, so I'm not the one that should, I think, stand here and say, actually, what does it take to gain momentum behind a podcast? Mark has done that, and he's going to share his stories. And then we have the Curry Queen, Sarah uh, Ali Chowdhury, with us, who's recently uh, launched a podcast. I'll introduce you again more to Sarah uh, later. Um, and actually, hers is a lifestyle podcast, so something completely different. So we'll then gather Andy, Sarah, Mark on stage and just open the floor to you guys to ask some questions, to find out what it's really like uh, before we end the evening with a bit of networking. Uh, and also in the room behind that wall there is a sm Andy and Kelly have set up a small podcast uh, recording area where you can try uh, podcast recording, see what the sound of your own voice Nobody enjoys it. Uh, but see what the sound of your own voice really sounds like uh, and take those uh, steps forward and just, uh, yeah, see what it feels like to hold a mic and record. Um, so really simple format this evening. So let's get it underway. So I'd like to welcome to the stage uh, Andy and Kelly uh, from Podcast Labs. Uh, they are a you know, great facility to have on our doorstep. They are in Westbourne. They've got their own podcast recording studio, but their business is all about you know, amplifying the voice of a brand uh, through audio, be that audiobooks, be it uh, voiceovers, be it podcasts, be it anything audio that you want. We use them ourselves as a base for recording some of our podcasts. It's a great facility. Uh, but we also use Andy uh, for the editing uh, and getting the audio quality right every week. So without any further ado, you've heard enough from me. Please could we welcome Andy and Kelly to the stage. Thank you. Hi everybody, so yeah, we are Andy and Kelly from Podcast Labs. Thank you for that lovely introduction, Warren. Um, I'm just gonna do a quick couple of slides about the growth of podcasting, and then I'll pass on to Andy to run through some of the tech side with you. Um, so all the kind of things that Warren just said that he struggled with with Evolve are the things that we try and help you solve um, in those problems. So we are a full service podcasting agency, starting with the kind of strategy, planning and consultation side to kind of help you figure out whether you're wanting to use us for clients and lead generation or whether it's a brand awareness tool for you. And then thinking about how that can actually relate and what your audience wants to hear. 
Um, and then we go through to recording and editing, um, distribution, actually getting it out there, and then marketing and making sure you build a loyal audience as you go. This is just a snapshot of our Bournemouth studio. We have actually just moved into Westbourne, but this just shows you a little bit of, of the sort of environment that you can expect. And we've now got a full-on editing desk and a much larger space um, where you can come and work and, and bring in clients as well. So why podcasting? So podcasting is very authentic. It's a very niche-focused platform. Um, you can get really well and driven into your passions. I think Podcast Reflects Passions is a really nice way of explaining this platform. It's not social media, it's not video, it's very natural and it's very authentic. I think this quote sums it up really well. So podcasts are more genuine, more intimate, more authentic. The issues I deal with cannot be explained in 140 characters. You can't explain migration in a tweet. You have to present a story, make it compelling, present the pros and cons of an issue to help people understand. And what's really interesting is that with the rise of platforms such as Instagram with the stories and TikTok, which are only 15 seconds long, the podcasts are growing so dramatically for 40 minutes to an hour long episodes. You don't get that sort of engagement on other platforms currently. So 7.1 million adults in the UK now listen to podcasts weekly. And half of these listeners have joined the wave in the past two years. So these statistics were actually in October from Midas. They haven't updated them since, but we've heard snippets saying it's even doubled in the last six months since October in listenership. There's a lot more brand awareness. People are hearing about it in magazines and, and coming through and going, oh, I, I know I listen to podcasts in my car. It's definitely kind of a growing medium. So the most popular podcast genres are actually entertainment and comedy. You know, people are using them to learn and engage with corporates, but at the same time, they're also using them to relax um, and entertain themselves. So science and technology is 35%, TV and film, 35%, all the way up to entertainment at 57 there are 750,000 active podcasts and 35 million episodes. In the US, they are a couple of years ahead of us, and this number is just insane. You know, you've got every single celebrity out there who has a podcast. You know, we're a couple of years behind, but you can see the future and the potential that's growing out there. The average consumer listens to seven different shows every week and an average of six hours and 37 minutes a week. That is a huge number of engagement and a great opportunity. So why is podcasting becoming so popular? It fits in with our busy lives. The biggest thing is it gives us our time back. People are listening whilst they're at the gym, whilst they're cleaning, whilst they're cooking, and they just don't have time nowadays to actually sit and read a book or watch a video. It gives them the opportunity to learn and enjoy themselves and have fun with content without having to stop doing other tasks. The growth of smartphones and the increase in mobile data, every single person has podcasts in their pocket on their phones right now. And it's so easy just to press play and off you go. Podcasts were actually around in the 80s, but it's this thing and the growth of things like Spotify and Apple that have really pushed it into people's heads in the last six months and two years. The other main thing is more ear time, less screen time. I know a lot of you in the area, in the room, have probably spent your whole day on a computer, um, and podcasts give you the opportunity to go, actually, I don't want to sit and watch the television. Um, you know, I can listen and I can engage, and I don't have to read through huge blog posts. Um, we get a lot of corporates that come to us and say, no one reads my blogs. And so have you put a play button at the front of it? Let people listen and actually get on with other things whilst they're reading your content, and they don't want to sc scroll all the way down a screen and, and read on that level anymore. 
So one in three actually tune in because they are screenless. So why should your business have a podcast? Very briefly, the biggest thing is trust and loyalty. Podcast is a very intimate format. You are in people's heads. 50% of people listen in their homes. It's an area where they start to believe that you're their friend and they can trust you. So on a corporate level, it really builds that trust and authority and puts you in as the expert. High engagement levels. 80% of people listen to 70% of your episode, whether it's 20 minutes long or an hour and a half. You don't get that sort of engagement on other areas. And also a lot of people are spending a lot of money on other forms of content that aren't getting that sort of engagement back, but you can do twice as well on a podcast. And also it's a set, one of your seven touch points of marketing. You know, they do say it takes seven opportunities to get a client or a buyer or someone to engage with you. It's another opportunity for you to be in front of them and in their heads. So like I said, 80% of podcast listeners listen to all or most of the episode. And 76% of listeners have followed up on an ad or a sponsored message they've heard on a podcast. This is because they trust your opinion and you become the authoritative figure. And they therefore believe what you use, they should be using as well. Okay, so I, I'll just go through a little bit about the sort of the more practical process to starting a podcast, so the recording, the editing, uh, and, and the distribution. I'll try and keep it brief because otherwise I'll go on all day. Um, so we always say that with, with podcasts, you know, a poor recording can only be improved so far. So if the sound quality is not good enough, it's not loud enough at the start, it's quite hard to make it better. So the better you can make it right at the start, the easier it is to work with. Um, and like good design, a good podcast uh, recording should go unnoticed. If it's designed badly, you're going to notice that that design's not good enough. And it's the same with audio. If you notice the audio quality, it's because it's probably not good enough. If it sounds great, you're going to be going, that content's really good. I'm, you know, I'm really into whatever it is I'm listening to rather than, oh my God, what's that noise in the background? Or, you know, someone, are they sat in a fridge or, you know, what's going on? Uh, and again, especially if it's, a, if it's a business podcast, you want that, the quality of the podcast to be representative of the, of the business. Um, uh, so as well as the equipment, the environment is also as important uh, when it comes to, to recording. So uh, the, the, the textures, materials, furniture, shape of the room all affect the noise. So uh, flat walls, flat ceilings are going to produce more of an echo, like, like we get in here. <laughs> uh, the more furniture, whether it's soft furniture, curtains, sofas, things like that, or even just you know chairs, cupboards, whatever, anything that's going to break up the reflection of the sound is going to help with, with sound quality. Um, you can get all sorts of strange ambient noises that you maybe wouldn't notice when you're recording. So things like um, squeaky floorboards or a squeaky door, or if you've got your phone on the side, you might have turned it off, but if it vibrates, that sound's going to get picked up by the microphone. Um, and even strange things that you can't hear yourself, like electrical noise. So a lot of light fittings produce like a 50 hertz hum, which you can't hear, but the electrical equipment will pick up that noise. And it's things like, you know, if you're right next to... If you've got your microphone cable running next to an extension cable, you're going to pick up you know, electrical noises and things as well. Um, but the, the, the background noise isn't always bad. So there, you can create a bit of an atmosphere to the recording by introducing some background noise. Um, and again, that's something we do when we, when we record with Sarah, is we record it in the kitchen. You can hear all the food sizzling away in the background, and it actually adds to it. Whereas if we recorded it in the studio, it would be too clinical. There'd be no there'd be no atmosphere to it. So um, it's about thinking about how can you can bring the background noise in if, 
if that's going to add to the recording as well. Um, so, and then on equipment, you can go all the way from really simple microphones that plug straight into your phone. Uh, they range anywhere from you know, like 60, 70 quid up to 100, 200 quid. Uh, at a really basic level, that's just going to improve the quality of the sound that you're recording uh, if you want to record into a phone. Then you can go up into more portable recorders or microphone inputs for a computer or USB microphones. That's going to improve the sound to sort of the, the, the middle level. And then if you start plugging external microphones and things in like we've got set up here, you can plug them into some of the recorders or into, into mixers. And that's going to give you the most flexibility with the, with the sound that you record. So uh, we, we've got the, the roadcaster in the corner. The way that records, it records everything as a separate channel which means when we go to edit it, we can bring the volume up if someone's too quiet, we can bring the volume down if they're too loud. There's a lot more we can do with the sound. You get a lot more flexibility with, uh, with that. But you can start at a really basic level just with a phone. A little microphone's gonna make it sound a lot better than what you get with the phone. Um, and then you get into all the different types of microphones uh, and, and all the different uses. So you've got sort of the more studio uh, dynamic mics, which is, again, the ones that we're using here, really good, really directional. They're going to pick up sound that's in front of them and not the other side of the room. Uh, if you go for more condenser mics, they're going to pick up a lot more sound. They're a lot more sensitive. Um, and again, when we record with Sarah, we use the two at the bottom. So we have a shotgun microphone, which we point at the cooker, picks up all those sound effects in the background. And then we use wireless microphones so that, you know, Sarah's not cooking away in the kitchen, like carrying a microphone around with a burn, burning our food. <laughs> um, and then again, on a, on a bit more of a techie level, there's so many different options in terms of the patterns that the microphones can pick up. Um, and you can go from things that will pick up what's just in front of them and reject all the sound all the way to the sides. Um, and it's, it's fairly easy to see from the, from the pictures sort of roughly how that works. Um, Again, technique can make a big difference. Make sure you drink lots of water. If you don't, you get a bit of a dry mouth. You start making all sorts of strange noises. Um, things like in the studio, we've got coasters made out of cork because it stops mugs and cups banging on the side. So it's trying to think about all those little things that you can. Um, if you're recording in a studio or you're recording on location, try and make sure you stay a consistent distance from the microphone and you've got a consistent level of voice. Uh, otherwise, you'll end up getting, you know, really quiet bits where someone will turn the radio up in the car when they're listening. Then you get really close to the microphone, it gets really loud again, and you've got to turn it down. Um, and again, the more you can do at the point of recording, the easier it is to edit when you get to the end. Having said that, there's a lot you can do in the editing process. So you, you can cut mistakes, you can, you know, you can take out background and equipment noise, you can run speech volume levelers and all sorts of stuff like that to try and adjust um, so uh, speech volume level is a really good example of uh, something we do when we edit. If It will do everything it can to make your voice at the same volume level all the way through. So whenever it drops, it will bring it up. And whenever it gets too high, it will bring it back down. So it's even if you get a slightly dodgy recording where you're moving around, you can adjust it. Um, and then the, the sort of the normal stuff is adding in intros, outros, sound effects, things like that, trying to make it a bit more of a, a, a polished production. And again, the level you go to with those things depends on, on what you're trying to achieve. You know, some people will want loads of sponsored messages to try and generate money. Uh, some people will, will just want a plain recording of their voice and maybe five seconds of music at the start. So there's, 
there's so many different options and, and when it comes to editing there's so many different things you can do with the sound um, I think quite a good example of one that we produce is they have people on that they want to be anonymous so we actually change the voice of the guest so that you can't tell who they are so we'll change the pitch and we'll change the the, the sound of the voice so that you don't know who it is that's that's on the podcast so there's there's loads you can do um, and there's loads of different ways to do it so the most popular bits of software uh, are Adobe Audition, Audacity, and GarageBand. Audition you have to pay for, um, but in our opinion, it's probably one of the best. Uh, Audacity is free, but it's a little bit more complicated to use. Um, then there's a whole bunch of online tools. So if you're using uh, a podcast host, most of them will have something to do the basic editing yourself. You'll be able to do the cuts and things online. Um, but as with anything, if you automate it, they're trying to do the same thing to every single podcast. So you're going to hit limits where if you're trying to bring the volume up, you're going to bring the background noise up with it. So it, uh, the, the more you can do yourself, the, uh, the better. Um, and then there's lots of online editing services where you can actually send it off to someone to edit. They'll send it back to you. Um, that's something that we do in our office. We'll actually get people send in their podcast. We'll edit them and we'll send them back. And you're always going to get a slightly better result that way because you've got a, a person listening to it, a person actually picking up the background noise and, the, and, and, and to trying, to, trying to make those edits you know, with, a, with a human ear rather than a computer trying to have a guess. Um, and then once you've got that done, once you've got the recording, once you've got an edit and you've got something you're happy with and you want to get it out there, that really the key is to try and get it in as many places as possible. Um, and it's really not that difficult to do. Uh, you have to submit it to Apple Podcasts through an iTunes Connect account. Really simple. Same with Spotify. At the moment, Google Podcasts, you've got no choice. You just have to upload it to the others and hope that they pick it up. There's no submission process for Google Podcasts at the moment. Uh, and then the one that everyone forgets about and that I've forgotten to put on here is TuneIn. Um, TuneIn powers Amazon Alexa. So if you submit your podcast to TuneIn, you can then say, Alexa, play whichever podcast, and it will, it will actually search on TuneIn for that podcast. Um, and on a really basic level, the way that it works is you put your podcast on a host. Your host will give you a web address, the same as if you go to podcastlabs.co.uk, you're going to get the latest version of our website. The RSS feed that your host gives you is essentially your podcast web address. When you go to that, that address, it will always give you the latest version of your podcast, your latest episodes, the latest pictures and graphics and, and things like that. Um, and then very quickly, that's the minimum requirements that you need for, for iTunes to actually pick up your podcast. If you don't have them, it will, it will actually send it back and say that it won't list it. Um, so you, you just got to have titles and descriptions and, and an author and a bit of artwork. And, and yeah, that's it really. I think that's, uh, that's everything covered and a really quick, brief overview of uh, actually the record, edit and distribute. So we asked Andy and uh, Kelly to just give us a really brief breakdown, as I say, into some of that statistics behind podcasts, which I think, you know, when you, you see that, the statistics already and, and the pickup and the the importance and the trust that people are putting into being able to listen to voice again rather than screen time. And if it's anything like me, I'm now kind of so addicted that, you know, I'm listening, bought myself a popular pair of Apple uh, earpods and I'm listening, you know, when I'm walking anywhere, I'm 
tuning in in my car. You know, it's connecting in a car and I'm listening in the car. I'm not listening to radio anymore. And I'm, you know, I'm kind of addicted to some sport, you know, cycling, Formula One, boxing podcasts, as well as some of the business ones and some of the coaching and development ones. So, and I think it's that variety of content. So I think, you know, it was really good to hear that from you, Kelly, just to get that background. And, and then when you think about it, it's that the technical side of things was the thing, if I'm really honest, that bamboozled us. I took some hints and tips from Mark here. I think we actually recorded the first podcast that was to go out with Mark, I think it was in June or July 2019. And because of the technical and the editing and trying to get the heads around all of that kind of thing, it didn't actually go out, as I say, to the 11th of December. And then we got in a flow because we knew what we were doing. So Andy, it was really good to hear from you as to what some of those things we need to think about and cover, cover, because I wish I'd heard something like that this time last year, because it would have expediated the process. So, our second uh, speaker uh, this evening is Mark Cribb of Urban Guild. Uh, uh, we've been, we've known each other, we've worked together, you know, you've been a client of Inspire for over 15 years, uh, Mark, which is quite scary, proves how old we're both getting. Uh, but, you know, we've been with Mark on the journey in, in the, in the way in which he's developed that group of restaurants, bars, a hotel, and built it around hospitality and giving hugs and giving back to his customers as well. It wasn't a surprise when 18 months ago you came to me and said, right, I've got an idea, I'm going to do a podcast. At that point, I probably looked at you and said, what's a podcast? And, um, but that podcast was about actually his industry, something he's really passionate about. Because if you've been into any of the restaurants and bars, it is about that giving service. That's where Mark, you know, on his journeys uh, traveling, came back and thought, I want to be in hospitality. So his passion shows through in the Humans of Hospitality podcast. I'm sure he's going to tell us all about it. So without, again, any further ado, can I hand over uh, to Mark Cribb? Thank you. Thank you. Oh, look at that. You've, uh, yeah, good work. It's like a professional setup. Um, Thanks for inviting me. I normally get to come and talk about my businesses, and some of you might have seen me talk before about the bars and restaurants, so the good news is I'm going to talk about something else, uh, and it is the podcast. Um, I'll tell you what it is. So, so the, the brief was to say what I'd learned. Basically, uh, Warren said, can you do about 90 minutes on what you've... No, just... Nine, <laughs> nine minutes. Nine minutes. No, ten. Give me ten. Uh, yeah, on what you've learned uh, since you launched your podcast. So that's the kind of brief. But I'll start with... Um, yeah, what I do, and then I'll tell you a little bit about why I do it. Um, I basically go around the country. I love uh, hospitality and food and drink. So I go around the country and I interview lots of people. Uh, sometimes I stand in a field. This was a field down in Devon with 860 cows, a couple of which were having a lovely afternoon with some of the female cows uh, nearby. I got squashed between a Land Rover and a cow. They literally come up and nuzzle you and you can tickle them behind the ear. Lovely creatures whilst I interviewed uh, this dairy farmer. Um, this was a chap out in the New Forest, Andrew Parry Norton. So when you go through the forest and you see all those kind of you know, pigs and cows and all those animals walking across the road, I was fascinated to try and understand why is that? Why do we have that in the New Forest and not in where I live in Boscombe? Because they get nicked, right? Um, and uh, so I went and had a chat with him about that. This is uh, Jody Schechter. So he was the F1 champion, I think, in 1979. Mentally, um, he went and, uh, and, and opened this farm uh, about 10 years ago. And, and I'll tell you a little bit in learning in a minute. So I, I, I go and have a chat with him. And I meet all these you know, incredible human beings. And I look at hospitality in its kind of broader sense, I guess. So it's not just 
the physical bars and restaurants. It's kind of, you know, it's the farmers, it's the people behind the scenes, it's the producers, it might be a drink distiller. I fundamentally meet people who are obsessed about their tiny little niche. And I'll come back to that in a minute. So that's what I do. What have I learned in the process? So um, technology is the first one, and that's the one I'll, I'll pretty much skip over because you've just heard all about the tech. But it is where I started. I really hate podcasts with, with crappy audio, and there's loads of them. Yeah, and as soon as you listen and you get that tinny kind of horrible noise or that background noise, it, it's shocking. Um, it's actually, you know, not too difficult. I guess that the thing that I do is I, I do go, because I'm in hospitality, I think that interviewing people face to face is quite important. So I don't use Skype. I don't do them remotely. I go to, uh, to London, you know, I go out into the country and I take my kit with me. So I've got some mobile kit, um, but it is worth, I spent about 700 quid basically on a couple of decent mics. Uh, and some stuff that I could bore you with. But we've covered technology. But I'd say get that bit right because, yeah, crappy audio uh, is really frustrating. The actual process really impresses me. Kind of luckily, some geeks kind of went and built platforms that host your website. We had a problem with one of ours where we needed to re-edit it. And you think, you know, it's on TuneIn and Spotify and iTunes. And I know there's probably like, you know, 30 different places you can get the podcast. But, you, you know, I only needed to go to one place, the host. It was really easy to kind of, you know, replace the uh, existing podcast, and I was thinking, you know, where the bloody hell do I start with this? You know, just to do a tiny 10-second edit that somebody asked us to do. Um, but the tech really does work well. It's not an overly complicated process, but these guys can help you with that. Um, I would say time. So I do a weekly podcast. I, I release it every, pretty much every Sunday night. I say Monday morning, but I release it at any point on a Sunday night so it's ready for people's kind of Monday morning commute. To do a weekly podcast is surprisingly time-consuming, and I, and I have got some help. Um, I tend to put one day, one day every two weeks aside. Yeah, so every other Friday, and I I'd started trying to do three in a day, and actually it's quite hard because there's quite a lot of research and stuff involved if you're going to do it properly. So I do two in a day every other Friday, and I'll chuck in some extra ones here and there, some local ones where maybe I don't need to go to London and I don't travel. Um, but it is, it is more time-consuming than you probably imagine, which leads to team. So I'm very lucky in the fact that I do have some help. So I have a lady called Miranda who used to produce... Um, BBC Women's Hour and a couple of different shows on Radio 4. Randomly, she's now based in Brussels. And I met her at a show a few years ago and she was doing some filming and she kept hassling me and saying, you should do something in media. So I have a conference call with her every uh, Wednesday morning for half an hour from Brussels. We have a Skype call. We chat about our plans, you know, who's coming up on the guest list. She's bloody brilliant in the fact that, you know, I send her kind of ideas and leads. She does the research. She phones them. She organizes the time. She looks at my diary. So tomorrow, for example, I've got one to do in Portsmouth in a rum distillery. And then I'm coming back to do some guys doing eggs and hens in, in Hampshire. And she'll work out the kind of route and where I can go. That, for me, is invaluable. Now, you wouldn't need that if, you, if this was your kind of full-time gig, but I'm really busy kind of running my business. So I do have that help, which is fantastic. Also, the fact she worked for the BBC and she sounds a bit like a posh BBC bird, so when she phones them up, instead of some idiot from the South Coast going, hi, I run a restaurant, can I come and see you? She says, it's Miranda from the BBC, in a much more feminine voice than that, and, uh, and opens some doors, so she's very helpful. Um, I have a girl called Chloe, who's on my marketing team for the businesses. I use her probably nearly one day a week, where she just puts some audiograms together, she does the social media, she, she manages anything you see coming out about the podcast that looks like it's from me. She's basically got full access to my social, I just don't have time to do that, so she puts it out on Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, and she records all these little kind of video clips. But you've got to do, you know, you have got to do the work, uh, which I'll probably again come to. There's no point just putting it out. The world doesn't need how many 30 million hours did you say? I mean, my God, you know, and mine are quite long as well. So the planet doesn't need any more podcasts. 
but it's really bloody good fun. So, um, listen, what was that one about? I did take some notes just in case. Uh, listen, you don't know who's listening. Yes, there's shitloads of them. And is any bugger listening? Uh, and, uh, you know, I kind of work on downloads. That's the bit that's quite challenging. In hospitality, you get instantaneous feedback. Yeah, and you kind of know what people are thinking. And apart from Warren maybe sending me some piss-taking messages sometimes about can you make them a bit shorter. Or my brother, who when he first listened said that nothing should be over 10 minutes. He was kind of like, I've got 10 minutes to put into this. But he'd, he'd not sort of looked at the podcast genre. And, uh, you know, I, I, I uh, you know, thoroughly enjoy the opportunity to have a longer conversation. Um, but downloads is what we listen to. So in January, when we first launched, I think we had 18 downloads in our first month. Hey, you're impressed, aren't you? I can't believe you didn't break the round of applause. Um, we had just over 3,200 in this January. We've had about 23,000 to date. Um, and I think the most we did in a week was like 950, and it crept up. I did 896, I did 903, and I did 950, and I was thinking, we're going to hit 1,000. We're going to hit 1,000. And the following week, it dropped to 460, and I was like, man. So it's a really, you know, it's a tough thing to try and get that consistent listening. It was half term, and apparently it's quite common that in the school holidays and Christmas, it does pop up. Apparently, to be in any way considered to have like a, you know, the opportunity to make it a sustainable podcast, I'm told you need a couple of thousand listeners a week as a minimum, and you want to get to about 10,000 a week for actually to be decent. That might be bollocks, but that's kind of some of the stuff that I've read, depending on what you want to get out of it, because you might just be doing it for fun, which comes to my why because I have made absolutely buggerable money out of it and I'm not doing it for money. Um, it started for me really in the fact that you know, I wanted to share some stories and, and I'd, I'd driven over to the Alps actually to do some cycling. And I drove through the night and I got to the bottom of this uh, uh, Alpe d'Huez, Warren knows it well, a little village called Bourg de Son. And um, I went into the, this bakery about 7.30 in the morning, ordered an espresso and a croissant with a mate that I'd driven through the night with. And I looked out over this square in this little French village and there was about five boulangeries. And even in the one I was in, people were coming in and they were buying their kind of, you know, their French sticks and their croissants and their pan au chocolat and chatting away to each other in French. And it had this really good vibe. And I looked out and I thought, my God, like, you know, all of these people in this village are coming out and buying their bread on a daily basis as they do. And I was like, why is it that in England, people are popping into a BP garage on the way to work and pressing a button on a Costa coffee machine? And that's our kind of becoming our food culture. Now, I love hospitality and I love food and drink. And, and I think where we spend our money fundamentally decides the kind of world that we're going to live in. And, and unlike a lot of countries in the world, you know, we're dominated by Weatherspoons and Harvesters and all these VC-backed kind of chain restaurants. Yet I know that behind the scenes of hospitality, these crazy bloody obsessive who love their key thing, whether it's just chocolate or eggs or whatever it might be. And I thought, people are subconscious. Nobody consciously says, I only want the high street to have a Costa coffee and a Starbucks and a Harvester. I don't meet anybody who says that. People say, look, I go and travel around Europe and I love finding these amazing little bars and these amazing little restaurants. So I'm thinking, right, we must own, therefore subconsciously walk down the high street, go into Starbucks and buy a coffee rather than looking over the other side of the road and seeing some amazing, quirky, little kind of interesting, independent coffee shop and going into that one. And I was like, if I can get people to, to maybe understand a little bit more about the passion and the work and the love that goes in behind the scenes of my industry, maybe I can put all those other bastards out of business. No, that's not going to happen, clearly. But maybe it'll just get people to think a little bit more about where we spend our cash yeah, and support those little independent businesses. So because there are loads and because it's time consuming, I think you need a really, and because we don't need any more, I think you need a really good why to do it. And that why can't be, I don't think, I want to make more money. You know, I think you've got to have some sort of passionate thing that you want to go and talk about. Doors. It really good at opening doors, right? In my industry, I've seen, I've been reading about some of my peers for years. 
So, um, I don't know, Mark Hicks, uh, a restaurateur, or, or Hawksmoor restaurants, you know, Will Beckett, really good guy, uh, Mitch Tonks from, from Rockfish. There's no way that I could just rock up with these people and say, hey, can I just come and basically interview you? And mine are about an hour and a half about your business. Yeah, if you just looked, you know, what I would pay for some of those people to mentor me or to have the opportunity to sit opposite them and quiz them about their kind of journey through their careers is, is fantastic. And there's, I can't think of another way that you could do it apart from getting a posh BBC bird to phone them from Brussels and go, hey, there's this guy with this amazingly successful hospitality podcast. Uh, and will you go on it? And once you've got a few then it just you know, opens doors even quicker. You know, once I can put on, and I get really excited every time that we kind of like up the level a little bit. It started with just you know, some, some local guys, but now um, I get to travel all over the place. So it is an incredible door opener to meet maybe some of your peers and some of the people um, you respect. It's also phenomenal for learning. I've learned you know, from speaking to these guys the most amazing amount of stuff, whether it be meeting a, a goat farmer. Does anyone here eat, um, eat goat's cheese? Yeah, do many people eat goat's meat on a regular basis? Some of you, but less probably. Yeah, so we all eat goat's cheese. Goats have two goats. When they have a little baby goat, right, they have two goats. They have a boy goat and they have a girl goat. We only keep the girl goats because they make the goat's cheese. And because nobody eats the billy goats, they just kill them. Yeah, so I think it's 300,000 goats a year in this country killed, but 1.2 million in France killed straight away. So there's this guy who's basically working to try and get goat's meat on the, on the menus of some of the best restaurants so that it, and, and convincing farmers down in Devon to kind of build more farms. I've learned about why some cows in dairy farming live for three years and some live for 13 years. I've chatted to Gareth Banner from The Ned, the biggest hotel in London, about the fact that he's got 1,000 staff in his building and that he's got a 24-7 restaurant just to feed his staff. And I could bang on, you say, yeah, for another hour about the stuff I've learned. But just to, yeah, to get the opportunity to sit in front of your peers and learn this stuff and, and ideally share it with some other saddos who might think it's interesting that makes you make a decision about where you spend your money. That then leads to your kind of incredible little black book and your little network of contacts. So it happened this week where one of my chefs resigned, which was really annoying because we're just coming into the season. But it was really nice to get out my list. I literally went on to podcast, uh, Apple Podcasts, and I went through the list of all the people that I'd interviewed. And I pinged them all a message. And I said, look, I don't really want to use an agency, but you know, and anybody who was related to Chef World, and that was Stephen Lamb from River Cottage. It was um, the head of the Sustainable Restaurant Association. There were just these phenomenal, Michael Bremner, who won a uh, great British menu. There were all these amazing contacts where I could say, look, if you know anyone, and people started replying, Harry Lomas, who, who does the catering for Wembley. He was the head of the British Army. He was serving at one point um, 25,000 people a day out of Camp Bastion, out of a tent. Right? And I pinged him a message who runs Wembley and said, do you know anyone? And he's like, oh, I've got a couple of ideas, actually. I'll come back to you. So from a network perspective, phenomenal energy. So I think, you know, we, we give, as, as entrepreneurs, uh, as, as business managers, senior people in business, you know, I give a phenomenal amount of energy to my business. And, and, and I'm, I'm really conscious of kind of energy flowing two ways. And the more energy that I give to my business, there needs to be this kind of pendulum, basically. I look forward to my podcast days more than I look forward to going in and having some of the same tedious conversations with my team that I've had for 16 years in running hospitality. So tomorrow when I go to this uh, rum distiller and meet my, my hen guy, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm buzzing. Can't wait to go. 
the amount I learned just doing the research around hens and how you get amazing eggs and what an obsessive you need to be to produce you know, the best eggs and what, what happens, how you look after those hens in those 30 days and you reduce their light levels. Even before I get there, I'm so bloody excited to go and chat about hens. And who doesn't want to go and have a glass of rum at nine o'clock in the morning? So these are my energy days. That's when they give me the energy, yeah? And I, get, I come back and I'm all fired up and I'm super excited. And then I go back to work and go, man, running restaurants on the beach in the winter in Bournemouth is really hard. I think that's it. So, uh, yeah, thanks for listening. And you can ask me questions later and I'll just tell you the truth. Right. Thank you. I think, the, you know, that was a great insight. It was perfect, Mark, on just what we needed. It's just those kind of experiences. And I think the two things that I would take away that I've learned along that journey is definitely the why, because it is time consuming. It is a commitment. Um, you know, for me, I'm really passionate about spending time with business owners, business leaders, and just spare to sit down with them and just spend an hour with them and talking about their journey. And for me, my why is actually I want to get to the truth and I want people to share both those kind of personal joys, successes, as well as the business ones. And there's a lot of stuff out there that's the rah-rah. And actually, the reality of life is it's not always rah-rah. And therefore, if we can get a business leader and business owner to sit there and tell their story as it is and encourage them to do that, then we'll all benefit and we'll all grow as individuals and we'll actually all start to share and communicate and, you know, and just experience life as it's supposed to be experienced rather than just the rah So the why is one. And the other one that I learned re really quickly was that actually I needed a team around me of people that would help me make this happen every week. So, you know, my, my piece is I'll connect with people. I'll go and spend some time with them. I'll have the discussion. In truth, that's the easy bit. Then what happens is it comes back into the office. We've got Oliver there with the camera. You know, an experienced journalist will listen to the interview and pull out the salient bits of it. And, that's, you know, and it's great to have somebody, a third party, listen to it because then you get the reflection on what a listener will think. And that enables me then with some, you know, just some simple bullet points and honour and think, well, how am I going to open it? How am I going to close it? What do we do with the content? And that's really important to get that third party view. Uh, we've then got, as it goes to editing, you know, somebody that can do the technology, if I sat there editing, we'd still be on episode 0.01, I think. Uh, we wouldn't have got the first one out at all. And then when it's out, you've got to promote it. Because if you want to get that voice heard and you want to share your message and share your passion, uh, you need somebody pushing it. So I do a little bit of the social media myself. But every week it's on Monday, Ursula, uh, who's our marketing uh, coordinator at Evolve, gets on, puts it out there, promotes it. And I think that's the thing, is trying to build that team efficiently around you, those people that can kind of support you. So yeah, those two points in particular uh, resonated with me, Mark. So um, could we uh, have, is it Andy that's going to join the Q&A panel? Yeah, Andy, please go and join the Q&A panel. Take a seat. Mark, if you can do the same. And I'd just, um, I'd just like Sarah to come and join me, please. I think we're going to have to share this mic for a moment until we put you on a stool. Uh, so, so far, we've talked very much around um, business podcasts or podcasts related to, you know, I suppose, entrepreneurial journeys in your case, Mark. Uh, and I think, you know, what we're seeing out there and what was really interesting, again, from Kelly's statistics is there's a lot of podcasts out there that are about lifestyle and other hobbies and other interests. Uh, and Sarah here, uh, you're on episode three of the Curry Queen uh, yes. podcast. So can you tell the audience a little bit about yeah. why you got uh, into podcasting and what's behind 
the uh, Curry Queen podcast, please. Um, I was I was asked to get involved with somebody else who is uh, who was doing a podcast, and they said they wanted to interview me. So um, they asked me to go to Podcast Labs. I'd never heard of it, didn't know where it was or anything about it. Um, but hey, I'm up for anything. Um, so I went over and uh, was interviewed, and I thought this space was really cool. I think you saw the picture earlier of the Bournemouth office. Um, and that was where I met Kelly and Andy. So we did this podcast, went away, and it gave me all these ideas. And one of the ideas was how could I use that to talk about what I'm doing? And my stuff is all about Indian food. So how would it work with that? And how could I use that to promote my business and what I'm doing, um, an authentic Indian cooking? Um, I made an arrangement to speak to Andy and Kelly uh, later. And um, they had some good ideas and I had some good ideas. We all went away and we did our own research. And we came back with, there wasn't anybody who was doing uh, real-time recipes. So meaning we can talk about Indian cooking all day and you can go on and listen to a podcast about people talking about healthy food or um, being eco or you know those kind of things, which is all great for all the other sort of millions of podcasts. But my thing was to find a niche of how I could introduce my food into a world of um, introducing people who want to learn to cook Indian food and how the podcast would help them. And the reason for them to tune in would be because it would be real-time recipes. So I am actually cooking the dish and they're listening to me cooking it. So if they start at the same time as me, then effectively by the end of it, they too will be able to eat a dish that they've just cooked. So that was the idea of it. And we thought there wasn't anything like that. And it would be just for the sort of niche uh, market, it would be a really good idea. But um, if I'm honest with you, I had no idea about anything else other than, you know, yeah, I can speak in a microphone, it's fine. I can cook and I can speak at the same time, no problem. But um, Andy and Kelly have been absolutely paramount in this taking off the way that it has. Um, there, is so, there is so much more to it as, you know, as we've heard. Um, there are things like somebody needs to at least take some pictures of you while you're doing something, um, just so that you can promote it for yourself. Um, Andy and Kelly, are they work. So I actually feel like a fraud most of the time because I cook a lot of the time anyway, and I speak a lot of the time while I'm cooking. And having somebody behind me who's kind of making sure that the sound is right, um, having somebody who is writing things down that I'm not even aware of uh, when you need to express how you're cooking to somebody who's not there. Um, because there are things that you miss, especially when you've been cooking the way I have for a long time. We don't have measurements. I was telling you this earlier. We don't do things by measurement. We do it by, by sort of sight. So if I'm going to be cooking with some garam masala, I know by sight what I, what I need. But actually trying to transfer that information from what I can see into, um, into a podcast so people actually know exactly how much I'm using so theirs can taste the same. Uh, we've got Kelly that sort of jumps in and she's in the back writing notes so that she can uh, make it better. But that's also teaching me and making me better at doing what I'm doing. And then we've got the sound stuff that goes at the background. Now, in terms of uh, being technical, I would say I'm probably the most untechnical person. Uh, I can stand in front of a camera and talk, and I can stand here and speak. But when it comes to all the other sort of stuff, yes, I'm okay with Facebook and Instagram. Some of the other stuff I'm not so familiar with. Um, but, you know, 
I have found that working with Podcast Labs has been has given me the opportunity to basically just be able to do what I'm really, really good at. And they're taking that and they're making it into the podcast. That's not my problem. So if they decide that tomorrow they don't want to work with me, my podcast is over. Uh, that's the kind of that's the kind of way I'm I'm leaning on it at the moment. So um, is that important having a team around you again coming out? It's 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 it's, it's you need to have a team. But the, the I mean I think either they are extremely passionate about what they do, which makes the podcast turn out brilliant. Or they love Indian food more than me. I don't know which it is, but I'm going with whichever one it suits them. It works for me. But in terms of anybody else who's thinking of doing a podcast, what I would say is um, have a look. I, I, I mean, I know that, um, you know, like Mark said, that there's a lot of people, you know, who's actually listening. Uh, it depends whether you really want someone to be listening or not, because... For me, I mean, my dad's listening, so that's fine with me. I don't care who else is listening or not. But really, if you're looking at it growing from a business aspect, what is quite nice to do is, is to look at the business aspect that isn't covered when you talk to your clients as something that they probably don't get when they come in and have a face-to-face, -face. maybe things that they're not thinking about on the other side or things that maybe are more taboo to talk about. Uh, you know, it could be in, in anything. Um, and finding those things that people are not speaking about and sort of and doing that, that's a great way to lift it because that's the sort of bit that people want to know is what everyone's not talking about. Um, but, I mean, I'm coming back again to the fact that podcast labs have worked really, really efficiently to bring it up to scratch. They do all the email lists. They, they gather the information. Kelly does all the sort of um, pictures and stuff behind the scenes, puts it to to the images. So I don't, I don't, even half the time, I don't even know the emails have gone out until she'll say, can you just make sure that you're happy with it? And I'm like, yeah, I'm happy with everything. <laughs> I'm going with whatever you want to do. But, um, but the, the idea behind the podcast is to make it so that um, I would say, I, I don't want to make mine too long. Um, so if you're in, it, it, sort of um, introducing other people uh, similar to what Mark's doing, and then they've got a story, then obviously there is a story that people want to listen to. With mine, I don't want to make it long and tedious. I want people to learn how to cook Indian food as simply as possible so that people can cook authentic food and know that they can go to my podcast and go, God, I've got half an hour. Let me just check Sarah's podcast, which one's half an hour. Let me do this. That's the idea behind mine. Um, and when we say lifestyle, when you introduced it as a lifestyle, I didn't even know it was a lifestyle one. So I fucking feel a bit trendy. Like, yeah, I've got, <laughs> yeah, I've got like a lifestyle podcast. Um, but yeah, but now that, now that I know it falls under that category, I'll be marketing it to, to people in that way. Like, yeah, listen to my lifestyle podcast. Um, but I would definitely say that if you haven't already, that's, that's something that you should be looking into is at least have a discussion, um, especially, I feel like I'm really selling you guys now. <laughs> but really, definitely have a discussion with them because I didn't know it was gonna ever be possible. It was never even in my foresight to go and sit down there and, uh, and, and come out with an idea of a podcast. And within a week, we were up and running. And I work, my, we decided we were initially, um, because I'm building a, a sort of kitchen space in my garden, I thought this would be great for when my kitchen's built and I can be in the kitchen and doing it. But actually, we got so overexcited, we couldn't be bothered to wait for the kitchen to be built. So instead, I said, you can come around to my kitchen and we could do it there. But it's so tiny. And, um, you know, I think the only sort of real editing we had to do was swearing when I started dropping things and, and stuff like that. But it's worked out really, really well. And I strongly advise anybody 
who's doing any sort of business or anything uh, that you, you're really passionate about, I would say, you know, start talking about it more. Um, I'm really, really enjoying it. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's brilliant fun. Uh, like Mark said as well, he has great fun doing it and so do I. So, yeah, brilliant. that's it really. So if you haven't um, listened to Sarah's podcast, it is a, it's one of those podcasts where I wish I could, um, wish there was smell available because we hear you talk, we hear you cooking. You can hear the cooking in the background. I've learned how Andy tonight that goes on, but it just makes you, uh, it does make you want to cook and it does make you want to be able to smell it and taste it uh, as well. So perhaps that is the future podcast. Maybe that will come one day. Right, time now for Q&As. So questions from the floor for our panel of Sarah, Mark and Andy. Um, please. What are ID3 tags and what are they for? Uh, so ID3 tags originated with MP3 files. So when you upload a, a podcast, it starts as uh, you, you upload effectively an MP3 file. Um, ID3 tags are a way of embedding information in that file. So you can put the titles and show notes and artwork and things in an audio file so that when it goes to iTunes, they can see what it's called, what artwork goes with it and things like that. It's, it's, it's basically like website metadata. It's a way of hiding that information in something that the public can't see, but the platforms can, can look at. Uh, it, it, does, it does help with, with some search engines. At the moment, they're not indexing, or not that we know of, you know, Google's probably listening to podcasts trying to pick out words, but uh, um, it, yeah, so things like the titles and things, it will, it will look at. Um, uh, and again, it's, it's really, you can either add them in manually or a lot of the podcast hosting platforms will ask you to fill in the boxes and it will add them for you. Joe. How do you plan for your podcasts and what goes into the planning process? Oh, okay. Um, what we do is, um, when, especially with the food, uh, what we sort of do is we want to make it uh, interesting and exciting and stuff that people probably haven't come across before. So we also want to make it quick so people don't have to be on there too long. So one of the ones we sort of came up with when we were, when we were going to do quite a long one was let's um, do something a bit shorter as well. So we planned a garam masala, like how to make your own garam masala, and then we're going to use that garam masala in the next podcast, uh, that kind of thing. Um, in to be honest, with my one, it's probably slightly different from everyone else's uh, because mine's just like, what do I feel like eating today? Um, and what does everyone else want to eat? So we, we go with, and what's, what's in season? What can people easily get hold of? So um, when I'm doing some Indian dishes, if we're cooking at home, there's some things, for example, like fish, the type of fish that you might cook. Um, we get uh, fish from some of the ethnic stores that are like, um, you know, they're imported fish, Bangladeshi fish and that kind of thing, which people wouldn't know where to get that from. So we're doing the same sort of thing and, and using fish that people can easily get ex you know, access to, vegetables that people can, you know, can, can just get at Tesco's or everywhere else. Um, so we're thinking about, like I say, to, to make it easy for everybody, um, but at the same time, just making it interesting, um, hitting on those more uh, popular areas at the moment, like vegan, gluten-free, uh, that kind of thing, so that we can bring more listeners in as well. Okay, thank you, Sarah Mark. Um, so one of my mantras is, is that action always beats intention. And when I first started, I thought, I might be really shit at this, but I'm just going to have to get out there and try it. And then I listened back to them, and I was like, no, I was right. And particularly in the early days, 
it would be this kind of, sorry, I'm going to have to tick the explicit box now whenever I talk, won't you? Um, but in the early days, I was speaking to people very chronologically. So it was about, it was the humans of hospitality. I never wanted it to be just for the industry. So I think that food and drink is fascinating. So I think I'm lucky we all eat and drink. But I would ask questions quite chronological. So I'd always sit there and I'd go, right, so, you know, what got you into food? And we'd start, you know, when they were at school or with their mums. And then we'd follow their life chronologically. And I'd listen back and I'd go, that's really kind of dull and formulaic. And actually... Um, sometimes you need to start with the more interesting stuff. So as I got a bit more confident, and it was really hard in the early days because some of the people you were researching, there was no information about them because it was just people that I knew locally. So I'd phone them up and say, can I come and have a chat with you? But I knew I just needed to practice and learn. Once you're interviewing people who are, who are sort of a bit more public figures, all of a sudden you can get loads of information on them. So actually, we, we, partly we can do the research to structure the conversation much better, so not to just do you know, boring chronological but I'm also always looking for an issue. So, you know, tomorrow with eggs, for example, I've wanted to do eggs for quite a long time because we all eat eggs and we all see this thing about barn fed and free range and red tractor and what, what you know, we kind of, we hear about what's an acceptable size of flock of birds before we should actually eat those eggs or not eat those eggs. Weirdly, right, I'm super excited and fascinated by all that kind of stuff. Bees, we hear, I think, a lot about the fact that um, you know, there's a problem with bees and that, you know, pesticides or whatever it is that we've got this problem of pollination and you kind of you hear about it, right? You might read it in The Guardian if you're a bit of a hippie, but I don't, I don't get it. And, and I'm in food and drink. And I, and I went off and I was like, right, I've wanted to do bees for ages. I've been waiting for this one bee guy for about eight months. I kept hassling him until I find the bee guy. And when I went and sat there and, and it blew my mind, like, you know, he's got, he's got a vin, uh, vineyard. That would be wrong, wouldn't it? Somebody else said in the vineyard. Uh, orchard. <laughs> That's the word. Uh, and also I can go and ask really stupid questions. How long have I got? Uh, two and a half thousand apple trees, right? And every apple tree's got like, you know, 300 apples. And every one of those apples has to be visit visited by a pollinating insect, yeah? So probably a bee. That's just one tiny little place down in Devon. So we rely, all of our fruit pretty much relies on being pollinated by an insect. When you drive your car now, do you notice that very rarely is your car covered in insects like it used to be 10 years ago, yeah? And I could... It hasn't come out yet, that podcast. You're all excited, aren't you? So I go off and, and, and I don't even remember the question. But it needs to be a bigger topic. It can't just be, oh, let me, you know, tell me about your life. I, I try and find a topic and it doesn't take much for me to get excited. Any more questions? Do you prepare your interviewees? Do you give them any questions beforehand or do they know what to expect from previous episodes? Can I, can I just direct that one to Andy? Because obviously you're putting some podcasts together for other people and we'll come... To you guys, yeah, um, it it depends really. It depends what you want them to be like, what you want that, that you know. Do you want them to be prepared? Do you want them to have well prepared answers to the questions? Um, we've got a real mix with some of the people that we work with. In that, uh, one of the ones we do, he won't tell them anything about what he's going to ask through the podcast. Uh, some of them uh, are especially the shorter ones. So we've got one that we're working on at the moment where it's a series of sort of 10 to 15 minute podcasts and they're sort of semi-scripted in that the people that they're talking to will have a list of points that they need to cover to make sure that they can get those points across in that shorter time. Um, so yeah, it depends what you, what you want to get out of it or how prepared they need to be and you know, what information you tell them before they're, before they're on the podcast. So, Sarah, you don't have guests at this stage, do you? So. We don't have guests, but w but we do have. I do have uh, Kelly and Andy directing me to some extent because, like, I just I just cook what, like I say, whatever I feel like eating. But what they do is they know that angle because obviously Kelly's really good at marketing, and she knows that um, one of the things she did say to me before was that um, we can have a certain amount of 
you know, uh, vegan, but we also need, you know, the certain amount of chicken, veg, you know, uh, lamb dishes, for example, so that we're not just we're not just doing one so you, thing. Your dishes you are your guests, really, aren't they? Yeah, so I mean, and, and just and just not do, you know, you don't want too much of the same thing. You want to give people like totally different flavors, and you want the colors to be different. We want it to also look good on the Instagram. So every time we're uploading another recipe, we don't want it to look like oh that looks very similar to last week's. We want it to look completely different. So there's a lot of color involved, and really bringing out the you know sort of the, the Indian feel on it. Okay. Mark, do you pre-prepare your uh, guests? Yeah, I think there's, there's two things with this. I think there's, there's, a, there's PR companies, right? And PR companies are a nervous bunch. So when I did the um, head chef of Wembley, right, and the two PR girls sat there and watched the entire interview, and they really wanted to know what we were going to ask in advance and what we were going to talk about. And the flip side is that is people sound really unnatural if they know what they're going to be asked in advance, and they've thought about it and they've pre-prepared their answers. So we pretty much point-blank refuse to tell them any of the questions we're going to ask, but what we do do is Miranda, again, she will phone every guest now, not in the early days, but some people just are really nervous. They just don't come across well on audio. So she'll just phone them up. It's kind of done as a pre-chat. Really, it's just to make sure that they can actually articulate a conversation and they're not really dull and boring. Um, and we'll give the PR company some topics, some loose topics. But no, I've never done one where they've known the questions in advance because I think it would come across as quite false. Yeah, and I think for the Evolve to Succeed podcast, then we're talking about somebody, you've been a guest, Andrew, but we don't, we don't, we don't pre-prepare, but everybody knows that we're actually going to come and talk to, their, to them about their story, their journey. But actually, I prefer that, actually, I don't have scripted questions. There's some areas I always want to cover, but I let the conversation flow and delve and take different sort of tacks with the conversation. And I think if you're pre-planned, it, everyone will start to sound the same. And I think what's great when you listen to podcasts is, that variety of conversations and content that comes out. Yeah, I have loads of questions, but sometimes you do interviews. Sometimes you need the questions. It depends on the guests, because sometimes they're really hard and they're not natural conversationists, and you kind of, you need that to guide the conversation. And then I've, I've turned up places with, you know, 30, 40 questions and asked three, because the conversation just flows and they're really natural. It's frustrating, actually, because I do quite a lot of research before each one, just in case, in case it's a hard guest and you've got to steer the conversation. And it's such a relief if it's not, but you think, man, I spent like three hours kind of going through those questions and stuff like that tonight when I get home, because the first one's at nine tomorrow, in Portsmouth I'll literally I'll read all the questions and I'll, I'll think about the structure and, and you may not need it but best be prepared just in case I, just I think it's the research isn't it yeah so I think it's always researching before you go definitely prepared. yeah it's a different question really right any more questions from the floor when you release a new episode do you have to upload it to all the different platforms for people to listen to it no no you you put the podcast in in one place and that will effectively give you uh, your RSS feed, which is the equivalent of a web address. Um, you then just register that address with all of the other platforms. So you don't have to tell, you, when, you, so when you release a new episode, for example, you don't have to tell iTunes you've got a new episode and Spotify and uh, you, you register just with one host. And they will, they will automatically check that RSS feed, usually every 24 hours or every, you know, every couple of hours to see if there's been any new episodes. If there has, they'll pull all the information in through and they'll add it to the directory. But yeah, you, you put the podcast in one place and you just register that address with all of the other places and they'll update automatically. So yeah, it's really, really simple. Once it's, once it's done, once you've done that first like two or three hours of going through iTunes and getting it approved. You never have to log in again unless you want to see how many people are, are listening and your reviews. And, you know, it's, it's really straightforward once it's done the first time. You make it sound so easy. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I'd met you before. <laughs> Thanks. Are there any secrets to generating engagement and finding new listeners that you've come across? 
Um, as, as in, so how to get more people to listen, is that what you mean? That enga- not being an engaging host, so I was like, no, I haven't got that at all. I've got no idea how to be an engaging human. Um, yeah, no, I, uh, you know, so we're, we're fairly structured in the fact that for every episode, you know, we, we release it within probably two hours of the same time every week, because apparently that's quite important. Certainly some of the, you know, listeners have said it's really good that it's always there at the same time, um, so they get it consistently. We then... And, and they're fairly well publicised. These things. If you Google how to get my kind of you know podcast listened to, but we take clips out. So with, with each episode, we'll take three clips and we'll do a little audiogram. So we'll try and pick three bits of the conversation that were interesting, and we turn that into a little video. And um, because video, you can't upload audio very easily to social media, so you need to turn it into a video. So it's a bit of a frustrating thing. There's some there's some of the tech. I think Podbean or one of them is trying to change that. But fundamentally, we'll then we'll put some images behind it, which makes it more interesting, and it means you can actually upload. If you think when you scroll through your Facebook feed, if you just saw an audio kind of uh, link, you, you probably wouldn't click on it, but it auto plays the video. Um, so we'll do that. And then we'll then schedule over the course of the week that it's going to go out on Instagram on Tuesday. It's going to go out on Twitter on Thursday. The, the key thing we try and do is we send every guest um, information about where the links are. So we send them the links to their episode. We give them some ideas about the, how they could share it. We give them ideas on if they've ever done any competitions or if they've won anything, that they could maybe go to those competition people and say there's a link if they're made. A, one of the best ones we had was actually a farmer down in Devon. And you think, you know, how, how does a farmer have that much on social media? But the farming community is a really tight, close community. So as soon as he told the local farmers association, it, it, you know, it went out and had loads of listeners. So... Yeah, we, we do put quite a lot of work on, in on, on trying to get people to share it, I guess. So yeah, one of the things I would say, um, what I've learned at the podcast labs is, like I said, I didn't know anything about it before, but now I understand that um, they are able to find out how many people are listening and where those people are and um, how much engagement we're getting. And so we can make sure that we're growing it in the right direction, um, which is, you know obviously like I said if they decide to back out and not do it anymore I have no podcast so <laughs> yeah and um, I just think on like a on a really basic level just making sure that it's accessible everywhere so if you want to get as many people to listen and as many people to engage as, as well as the marketing and getting it on you know whatever the most appropriate marketing platforms are just making sure that it's on Apple podcasts and uh, Google Podcasts again, again. Not that you get much of a choice in that at the moment because they, they look just look to iTunes for it. But it's you know if you've got a podcast and you put it on Apple Podcast and that's it, everyone with a with an Android phone has got no hope. So making sure that it's in those other places as well makes it more accessible. Uh, and then when you advertise that it's available, telling people that you can listen on iTunes and Spotify and on Alexa, and you're going to get a, a better uptake of people reacting to that marketing. Cool, thank you. When you listen to podcasts, is it like Netflix where it will keep running through to the next episode and does it make recommendations for other podcasts too? Yeah, I don't mind chucking in a little bit. So if you, if you listen to a number... Yeah, it will certainly remember where you listen because mine are quite long. Uh, what I tell you. And uh, so, yes, you don't need to listen to it in one hit. So when you go back to it, it will remember where you were. Um, it depends on if you've got a number saved in your library like I have that I listen to regularly. It won't go through that particular show and just automatically play the next one it will probably i don't know what what the uh route it takes but it will if you've started another one it seems to go straight from the one you finished to the next one that you've started or the most recent one um, that you've downloaded or the older one or whatever there's probably a formula for it but the answer is yes it will auto play the whole recommendation thing i think is fascinating how do you find a podcast you're interested in and the algorithms that are really good on netflix that kind of recommend 
similar genre podcast it happens a little bit if you're on the the kind of itunes but but a lot of the apps haven't nailed that yet and i know google's doing a lot of work around trying to get that right so yeah yeah no no one knows how the recommendation and the new and noteworthy system works because you'll get you know a, a brand new podcast that's had you know 40 or 50 listeners and two reviews right next to one that's got you know 10,000 listeners and hundreds and hundreds of reviews and there's there doesn't seem to be a pattern um, I know that Spotify um, are manually putting together playlists so that their team in their offices will put together like curated playlists. Um, at, at the moment, that's they're still doing a lot of those manually. So. Yeah, I mean, it, it is it's weird. They're very, you know, I'm really proud of it. So I'll say it, but, in, you know, the first release, the first episode, we got the Evolved Succeed podcast listed under um, new and noteworthy. And then it listed in the top 20 for entrepreneurship. You know, hasn't been seen since in the charts. <laughs> but it did. And, and again, you don't know. It was only on your phone, Warren. It's just when you log in on your phone, it says you're in the top 20. I was convinced it doesn't say that on anyone else's. That's it. My mum saw it. They're really clever. They're bloody clever. <laughs> they know something. Yeah. Joe, before you started your own podcasts, were you podcast listeners? Sarah. Yeah, uh, for me, I um, like I said, I didn't, I, I wasn't a podcast listener at all. I was invited to go and do a podcast, uh, and that's where I learned. Sort of, I don't know much. I didn't know anything about it, and I went in and I thought, is I was asking the same sort of questions that actually Laura was asking me earlier. What is it? Is it like a YouTube thing, or can they see you? Um, but I think it's um, for me after realizing that uh, one of the best things, especially for people who don't, uh, who don't like being sort of seen on camera too much or a bit shy or, you know, I think it's quite good that they can get their voice heard um, and they don't have to feel that, you know, how they look on the camera sort of thing, but then you have to hear your voice and, you know, there is always that. So after, after I did that first one was the first introduction, that was the first ever one I did. And then straight after, um, we just launched it. Um, however, yesterday, one of the things I will say is the more you do the podcast, you will realize how much everything else sounds so unclear um, after you've done your own podcast, don't you? Because um, yesterday I was on the radio in Southampton and they recorded my interview and they gave it to me on CD and I put it on in the car because when you're speaking, you don't really remember what you said and I thought I was I was in Southampton I thought I'm driving back home I just want to hear what it sounded like I put it on and I just took it back off because the sound quality is so so different podcasting sound is so crisp and clear um and and you you know it makes it easier to listen to definitely um, yes, I was a podcast listener, and there was a couple of things that happened. I did, um, I'd done some, some TV stuff, and, and I hate the fact that they ask you a really complicated question. I did one with BBC Breakfast News once, where they actually put me up in a hotel, and I'd driven three hours, they put you up in a hotel, you've got to be on the beach at like 4.30 in the morning where they were doing the interviews, and they ask you a question, and you've got like, you know, 30 seconds to reply, which is ridiculous. And then I found when, when the whole blockchain kind of cryptocurrency thing was going on about two and a half years ago, and I didn't understand it at all, and I wanted to learn about it, and I went and found two podcasts, and they were a couple of hours each, and I was walking my dog along the beach, and over two evenings, you know, the dog got a really bloody long walk, and I came back to my wife, and I was like, this is amazing, I've been able to walk my dog, I've been out, and I've come back, and I understand as much as I could about blockchains and cryptocurrencies, and I'm like, they're going to change the world, and it was the two, you know, kind of world's leading experts on that topic. And I thought, where else could you possibly go to find the best most knowledgeable people on the world on any niche you want whatever the subject is pretty much 
And the other thing is, is that most of the podcasts were American accents. Same with Blinkist and some of the audiobooks. And not, you know, being a knob. But I just got a bit fed up of always listening to the Yanks. So I thought I need to launch one as a Brit um, because that's the sort of thing I would listen to. So. Okay. And clearly, if you started a podcast business, I'd hoped you'd listen to a podcast yeah. before. Yeah, we, uh, it started because I spent a lot of time driving up and down the motorway. And it started with audiobooks, and then it got, well, actually, I'm, you know, listening to the same book for five or six hours in one go is, you know, gets a bit much. So what else is there? Start listening to podcasts. Um, and then, yeah, it went from that. Just, yeah, spent so much time driving that I was just, you know, listening to five or six hours worth of podcasts a day because it's more, you know, it's more interesting than music. Yeah, like you say, you, learn something you can you, do something yeah. you're doing anyway and passion, learn from it. You? You're listening to a passion or you're learning something. So, yeah. yeah, my inquisitive nature was, I, you know, as soon as I started to hear about them, I wanted to start listening to them. So, Yeah. How do you use adverts and sponsorship with podcasts to make money? Um, there's, there's, there's a few ways of doing it. There's, uh, there is a company now that will put spaces in the podcast so there's a host that will actually put gaps in the podcast where they'll insert an ad into all of the podcasts and that ad can change um automatically as you sort of introduce new sponsors um there's loads of different ways of putting ads in there uh, you can some people will do sort of discount codes or referral codes where it's you know use you know podcast 20 on this website to get 20 percent off and then the company that have given you that code will give you a, a referral fee it might be someone just flat out pays you some money based on how many people listen to, to put a message in there. Uh, it might be that you're promoting your own stuff. Um, and it can be in loads of different formats. It can be, a, you know, uh, the, I think the best ones are when the person that you're, you're familiar with, the host is, is actually recommending something to you. So they say, if you go to this website and buy this, here's a discount code. I've got one myself. That's what I've been talking about in this episode, uh, because it comes across more genuine. Uh, or, you know, you, but there are podcasts where there'll be a you know a one minute advert at the start. Um, how effective they are, I don't know, because every podcast I listen to with an advert at the start, I fast forward a minute because I know it's a minute long. Yeah, I suppose but Kelly had that interesting statistic, didn't she, in her, her yeah. numbers? But I suppose that's more the recommendation yeah. piece. But you, you do it without realising as well. So the, some of the big podcasts that I've listened to for a long time, without realising, I buy, I've bought so much stuff and I've changed things that I've bought to things that that person's recommended based on the fact that I believe everything he's told me because I listen to this guy for an hour every week for the last three years. I believe every word he says. So I've stopped buying one thing and started buying that instead because he what says it's better. What Mark? <laughs> <laughs> so Mark, you were going to answer. Thank you, Andy. That was brilliant. Mark. Yeah, no, I think that's key. I think the host read ads are definitely the most powerful. Um, Tim Ferriss, he's got a really big podcast and, and I actually look forward to some of the stuff that he says he's been using that week because he's got quite an eclectic range and he'll, he'll only recommend stuff that he's been using. Whether it's a piece of software, he's the guy who wrote the two hours. Is it a two hour work week? Four hours. Uh, four hour. I've condensed it. <laughs> yeah. Four hour work week. And, and actually you want to hear about the Is that so the other two hours somebody can listen to your podcast? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, so I think those ones are really good. Personally, we, we talked about this. One, you know, who the hell is going to sponsor it if there's not that many listeners i did speak to acast i know the md of acast and he said really we don't get involved until you've got ten thousand listeners a week that's where that number came from he said i would potentially because you're a mate look at it at two thousand a week this is a year ago i'm still not there but i think it was something like 25 pound per thousand downloads is what you would get so you know you're talking about such a small amount of money i was very conscious that if i when i'm approaching these people 
Um, I didn't. I don't even brand it as Guild as my restaurants. Quite often, they don't know that I've got a restaurant until I rock up and we start the conversation, and it helps me talk to them because I know my topic. And I did that because you know if I'm going to go to Mark Hicks or Mitch Tonks and they think that they're seen to endorse my group of restaurants, that has a very different angle and slant on it than I'm here to represent the hospitality industry. So I, I was quite uncomfortable going out too early to get sponsorship. Ultimately, I need to. You know, it's probably costing me four or five hundred pounds an episode to get out there, most of which is this lady in Brussels who helps me out, so I pay her a day a week, basically. The actual tech side of it, not so much. That's a lot of money to be putting into something. And then a day every two weeks, you know, where I go out. I go to London, I pay 90 quid to get up there on the train. I'm there all day. I don't get back till nine o'clock that evening. And I'm doing all of that for no financial gain whatsoever. I'm just dipping my hand in my pocket and doing it. It's bloody bonkers. But I think it's the long game, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't get sponsorship too early. Ultimately, I would love to do what I do and at least have it wash its face. I'd do it anyway for the people that I meet. But yeah, my, my ultimate dream would be that it could be a revenue generator and that I can, I can do it and represent the industry and, you know, I could go on. Okay. And monetization for you? Sarah? Yeah, um, works for me. <laughs> um, I... Uh, yeah, I don't want to do anything without getting any money, sorry. Um, <laughs> I've, um, I've, I, I do have a passion for it, and I'm doing it anyway. Um, but for me, if I'm going to be giving uh, that away, um, there has to be something that we're getting back. I mean, I've got four kids, <laughs> you know, I've got to feed them. Um, but I've got, at the moment, I'm, I'm sponsored by Kuhn Recon, uh, which is a Swiss cookware company, and I'm also sponsored by Wonderchef, which is uh, the largest cookware company in India. And that happened by chance, um, that they happened to be launching in the UK. And um, they had seen uh, a program that I did with BBC was translated and put onto BBC World, and it was shown in India. So they were looking for somebody in England because they're launching in England, and they found me. So it was just great timing. Um, and then they came to me, and, and they said, this is what we're doing. Um, it's Wonderchef is a brand in India with a, with a chef extraordinaire called Sanjeev Kapoor. So when I was recently in India, um, I got to meet him. I got to meet the whole company, and I got all this product sponsorship. So initially to start, it was product sponsorship. Um, so I can promote it because it's good. Uh, some of the stuff that, that they do, like, for example, the, the grinder for the garam masala, um, is not something that you'd be able to find here, and it's great for Indian food. Um, so things like that, it's like, yeah, but I'm promoting your brand. You're the biggest chef in India, like, pay me. Um, and he was like, okay, you know, we can do something. So we've got something going on there um, financially. Um, and, you know, a little bit of social media stuff uh, always helps as well because we, we talk about, like I said, Kelly does all the sort of social media pictures and stuff, and then I tag them in it, and they know that they're in, in, the, in the, the podcast or in the video or YouTube, whatever. So then they, you know, I get something back for that. Um, uh, recently as well, with, with things like even going to India, I didn't even pay to go to India. I was there for nine days. I didn't pay my flight. I didn't pay my hotel. Have you got any, any more questions from the floor? Well, look at that. Perfect. Okay. Uh, I really hope that you've all enjoyed uh, this evening. Could we just have a large round of applause for our three? <laughs> really do hope that's given you a great insight into that world of podcasting, what it's all about. Uh, for those of you that can stay, time to network, but there is also some recording equipment set up in our meeting room just around the corner, so please... Uh, do go give that a try. Uh, on behalf of Inspire, 
and Evolve, thank you for coming this evening. Thank you for the Evolve team for setting up today and making tonight happen. It's been a great event. I've really enjoyed it. I hope you have too. Uh, like I say, network, record, and then when it's time to go, please do have a safe journey home. Thank you. So there you have it. Podcasting really is a great way to reach and engage your audience, as well as giving you an excuse to have an intimate chat and learn from business leaders who you might never have had the opportunity to do so before. The self-isolation and lockdown that is part of our daily lives at the moment creates this great opportunity for self-improvement. One way is to listen to podcasts. There's a wealth of free and informative podcasts out there, of course, including all the past episodes of the Evolve to Succeed podcast. And my hope is that by the time things return to some sense of normality, which they one day will, some of the things that you've learned from this podcast and others will bring benefit to your personal and professional life. We all know this is such a stressful time, both personally and professionally. Evolve has just launched a special COVID-19 resource center on our website at evolvemembers.com. And we also are offering all of our members a free one-to-one conversation with myself to see what we can do to help and support and just be a sounding board for you. Our increasingly popular peer groups, which have proved beneficial in the better times, are becoming invaluable to our peer group members in these tougher times. And we have accelerated these from a monthly to weekly basis and they are being run remotely using Zoom. Myself and the Evolve team know that during this period it's especially important to feel supportive and to be able to get help should you need it, whether it's a business or personal issue. My hope is that Evolve's support network, as well as our content, including the podcast, will provide some positivity and inspiration during this crisis. Let's get through this together. Thanks for listening and until next time, stay safe.